0: This is The Visible Hand, a podcast about organizations, economics, and management. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal, and I am an associate professor at the Department of Management, London School of Economics. My guest today is Mouno Prem, an assistant professor at Universidad del Rosario. Today we're going to talk about his paper, Patronage and Selection in Public Sector Organizations, which is co-authored with Emanuele Colonelli and Eduardo Teso and was published in 2020 at the American Economic Review.
1: Hello, Monu. Welcome to the program. Hi, Jordi. Thanks for the invitation and the interest in our paper.
0: The paper is called Patronage and Selection in Public Sector Organizations. I want to start with the definition of patronage. What do you mean by that?
1: What we mean by patronage is a quid pro quo relationship between the party who is in power and their supporters And in in what we're going to be analyzing, in particular in this paper, is that the supporters benefit by having access to public sector jobs in reward for their support they give to this political party. So I want to be clear about uh, this definition
0: of patronage because it is a little bit narrower that the way that political connections have been used or analyzed previously in the literature. A critical component of the definition of patronage is that there is
1: a quid pro quo. Exactly, exactly.
0: So typically, with political connections, it's a little bit more ambiguous. What is the, say, exact mechanism that causes the actual favor that is being granted from the politician to that individual is. But here, it is necessary that there is a quid pro quo and exchange of favors. Who is the quid and who is the quo cool?
1: Yeah, it's the party in power and the supporters of this party in power. And as you said, you're totally right. So the first part of the paper, we're just gonna show this preferential access. And then we're gonna try to show that this is coming from a patronage. But as you're totally right in all the political connections literature, we usually just look at the preferential access to something, no, it could be finance, party procurement and, and so on. So
0: if you and I have a relation, I may grant you a favor because I expect something from you in the future or because I'm returning a favor that you granted me in the future, that will be patronage. We may have a relation and I may grant you a favor because I like you. Uh-huh. That will also be a political connection,
1: but it wouldn't be patronage. Exactly. And we're going to try to tease out the best we can between these two type of stories that you're just mentioning. Okay,
0: So I was thinking about this paper and I came across some news from the U.S. from some years ago. It turns out that U.S. administrations have always been giving ambassadorships as a form of patronage. For instance, Obama made a donation bundler who had never been to the country and did not speak Spanish de Ambassador de Argentina. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was like <laughs> <Perfect>. naked, <laughs> naked uh-huh. patroness. I'm mentioning President Obama here as somebody who is not, to put it mildly, the most corrupted president that the U.S. has ever had. Hmm? Exactly. I think that this uh, <laughs> this record is already I, taken. I agree
1: with you. I agree with
0: you. So in fact, there is apparently like a 70-30 rule in the U.S. whereby career diplomats get 70% of the post, ambassadorships, and supporters of friends get the other 30. It's like absolutely transparent. Why do we need an academic paper to tell us that this is going on?
1: So what we're trying to understand here is in a kind of recent democracy, but where the meritocratic system is the one that is in place. So most of the jobs are given through a meritocratic system. This is more or less 70% of the jobs. But what is interesting is to try to understand this other 30%, where is it coming from, and whether it has any cost in the quality of the public sector workers who enter into these administrations. So I think this happens. We know it. I also have anecdotal evidence from Chile, from friends, actually, that their fathers were politicians and this actually happens. But what is interesting is that this is quid pro quo and that the other thing is that we can kind of quantify whether this has any cost in terms of quality. And we're going to enter into that, of course, in during the talk. So the quantification is important here. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave you an
0: anecdote. You have your own anecdotes. It's important to know whether this is a large effect in economic terms, right? This yes. is the, this is the, the like consequences. The, mm-hmm. I mean, if it is a large effect and the consequence bad, then the consequences will be large in Perfect. a negative direction. Okay. So can you tell us what is the context of the study? You have already referred to it, but what is the context of the study? We know it's Brazil, but tell us a little bit about the political system of Brazil,
1: for instance. Perfect. So, so we're going to be working on Brazil at the municipality level. So these are not going to be either governor or presidential elections. So we're going to be looking at local elections. In Brazil, there are more or less 5,570 municipalities, fairly large, which is key for part of the analysis that we do given that we're gonna be comparing municipalities. So we need a bunch of them. So this is good in in Brazil. We're gonna be looking at four elections, which is also something good. And what is key here is that we have these local elections for mayors. And at the same time, we have these local elections for council legislators. And for mayors, think that these are two term mayors who can run for a party and also a coalition. And at the same time, we have these local uh, council elections where the size of the council depends on the size of the municipality. The larger the municipality, the larger the council, of course and these legislators run for a coalition and basically the more votes they bring to their coalitions the higher the number of seats that this council is going to have for for a given coalition
0: these uh, candidates for the parties that form the coalition of the mayor these are the ones that you are going to refer to as political supporters of the mayor exactly
1: so, exactly so this is one of the dimensions that we're going to use to create this measure of supporters, so the ones who run for the same coalition of the party who is in power.
0: It's a relatively strong measure of support because instead of thinking of them as casual supporters, you can think of them as actual also politicians. And successful politicians sometimes for those who are actually not elected. Who lost, but they are also trying to be politicians at least.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So
0: you mentioned
1: this is the first type of political supporters that you look at, at in the study. What is the second type? So the second type, and it's something that has been used in the in the literature of political connections, is campaign donors. But here we're gonna focus on individual donors. So think of this as an individual that gives some money to a particular candidate. And for you to have an idea, more or less 28% of the budget that comes from donation from a mayor comes from individuals, and more or less this budget is 40 percent in the case of local consider and to put the numbers into perspective we have on average that a mayor or a runner-up or the or the loser have 25 supporters that are donors and 23 supporters that are candidates so
0: if i have a small firm and i make my firm donate i will not appear as an individual donor exactly, exactly. if i do take it out of my personal account then i will and then exactly. i will be as part of your study exactly okay so so the question The question is going to be whether majors, successful politicians grant favors to their supporters. A very interesting part of the study is obviously not so much on the political connections or patronage side, but most strictly about the actual favors that are granted, uh, Mm -hmm. which, as you mentioned, were public sector employment. Can you tell us a little bit about how public sector employment works in Brazil? Yeah.
1: So as I mentioned at the beginning, more or less 70% of the workers who enter into into the public sector enter through a meritocratic system. And think of a meritocratic system, written exam and an oral exam, and based on this, they decide who to hire. But on top of that, may you have some discretion in the decision on, on who to hire. And this is the claim that these positions are key for their administration. So in this case, they can just decide who to put in these positions. On top of that, there is these temporary jobs, which is something that is fairly used in Brazil. And there is anecdotal evidence on how bad it has been used. And also there is anecdotal evidence on some frauds in this examination. And this is something that has been shown not only in Brazil, but also in, in other countries where basically politicians can either give the answers or change the results of these examinations. And just to give you a a number, more or less 56% of the public employment that we see in 2014 comes from municipal public employment. So we are more or less starting 50% of the employment or the public employment in Brazil.
0: Okay, so you say that there are two types of jobs, let's say discretionary and uh, exam-based or non-discretionary. We will, of course, expect that uh, the effect of uh, politicians on public sector employment is uh, on the discretionary jobs. But you mentioned that the non-discretionary can also sometimes be subject to fraud.
1: How can a major affect who gets hired through an exam? At least there are three ways they mention, and and this is not something that we can quantify, unfortunately. It would be super nice to see and have good data on that. But there is uh, some journalistic investigation showing that the major gives the answers to the applicants or that they just change the answers. Once they answer, they just change the answers of a particular candidate. And lately, they just disregard the results of the exam and they just hire whoever they want. So my understanding is that in Spain, to
0: get a public sector job at a municipal level, the exam that you need to undertake is actually at the regional level, that it is managed by the region or by the state rather than by the municipality. But here, it measures are somehow able to affect the result of these examinations, it must mean that they are
1: at some level involved in the process. Exactly, exactly. And this is something that has happened in other places as well. So, so I, I know the case of Chile. And for example, we see something similar in the hiring of, of school principals, for example, that the mayor can decide as well, what, even if they have examinations. OK, so what is the data that you have for this study? So this was key for the paper. I don't I don't think we would have been able to write a paper like this without this, this data set. Now it's fairly more common to write paper with this data. But at that point, I think it wasn't. So the first part of the data, which is key, comes from the Ministry of Labor. And this is a much employer-employee data set. So think of this, that we can follow the labor career of workers. And at the same time, we can follow the firms in which they were working. And what is key is that here they cover the public and the private sector. So we're going to have both of them. And apart from that, we have key information that we're going to use in the rest of the analysis, which is total earnings and some sociodemographics. demographics, but more important than that, the type of contracts that they sign and this is going to be important for exactly what you were saying about these competitive and discretionary contracts and also we know the exact occupation that they are working on in different firms or public agencies. So that's something that we're also going to use. Then of course we have the usual data set on on elections where you know the mayor, the party that they represent, the coalition that they represent, the votes and so on. We're going to have this for the mayors and the local council and from here we're going to construct the first measure of supporters as we said and the, the, the last one is on donors on individual donors and we can know exactly to which candidate they were donating and how much money they were donating and what is super key for us and we were lucky about this is that in all these data sets we have the national identifier so it's super easy for us to to merge all of them at the beginning we just did it by name but then they released the the national identifiers for the data set so we were able to do it super clean so we're very confident about the match
0: okay so now we go to the first part of the analysis you said that there are two parts First of all, what are the effects of political connections, if you want, or being connected to the, to the winning major? And secondly, what is the mechanism through which this effect may take place? So in terms of estimating uh, the causal impact of being politically connected to the winning party in the mayoral race, what type of empirical strategy do you have to estimate that causal effect?
1: Before going to the to the empirical strategy, I think it's good to think of what is the ideal experiment that you would like to have. And here, what you would like is to basically randomly allocate people to the winner and the loser and see what happens to them after the election. Of course, there is a decision on running for a particular party uh, as a local counselor or donating to a particular party. So, of course, we cannot do this ideal experiment. But to get closer to this, what we're going to do is a regression discontinuity design where, think of this, that we're going to be comparing the supporters of the majors and the supporters of the runner-up when the major won by a very close margin. So we're going to use five percentage points throughout the paper, but these results basically survive if if we narrow down this comparison. And we're always going to be comparing the supporters of the winner and the supporters of the runner-up in the same municipality and in the same election. So that's the comparison that we're going to be doing throughout the page. So the idea here is that if the
0: elected mayor won by a vote, a single vote, rather than losing by a single vote, that can approximate the outcome of the election being, broadly speaking, random. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. focusing on a narrow interval around the result is going to give you this element of randomness that you are trying to approximate.
1: Exactly, exactly. And of course, this has some assumptions, no? So so the main assumption in in our context is that basically the potential outcomes of the characteristics of the treated, in this case, the supporters of the winner and the supporters of the losers is continuous around this threshold of winning or losing. And to assess the validity of this assumption, what we use is a bunch of different characteristics of these individuals. So we can look at their labor careers before the elections and we do not find any uh, differential effects there. Also in the socio-demographic on what type of occupations they used to have, yeah. Wow. This for donors as well, we can see how much money they donate, and we basically find no difference there. We can go even one layer up and see if there are difference between the mayor and the runner up. No, now We're not now looking at the supporters, but the actual mayor and the runner up, and we don't see any difference between them, for example, in the number of candidates that they are aligned with them, or the number of donors, or the number of parties in the coalition, and so on. And the last piece of evidence that we do for this, kind of in the flavor of a diff in diff, we do not only compare the levels in the difference of these two type of supporters, but we can look at the trajectory of the probability of working in the public sector, whether it was different or not between the ones who were supporters of the winner and the ones who were supporters of the loser.
0: We have a very discerning audience in this podcast, so I am not afraid to use technical terms. What you are referring there is that you are combining a regression discontinuity design with an event study analysis in which you look at the pre-trends of the uh, earnings of the supporters that are connected to the winning and losing party. And you see that the three trends are essentially identical and that only one of them shoots up following the election.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well
0: said. OK. So, what are the baseline empirical findings?
1: So then what we find using as first as a dependent variable, the probability of working in the public sector, we see if you are connected to the major in power, the probability that you get a public sector jobs increases in 10 percentage point, which is a big increase if you compare this to the average of the control group, which is 22%. So it's more or less a 50% increase in comparison with the average of the control group. And this is a bit larger for candidates that were supporters than for donors. And what is interesting, we can use also total earnings to see whether there is a jump in total earnings for these uh, supporters. And we see that there is a jump more or less of 25% uh, compared to the average in the control group. And this is telling us that this is not just a substitution effect from the private sector to the public sector, but there is a net gain of being connected to the major in power. I think that the quantification is
0: critical, as you were mentioning earlier. So, I want everybody to remember this number. The likelihood of having a public sector job goes from 22%, which is the number for the supporters of the losing candidate, to 32%. So, it increases by, you know, say 50%. 50%, Okay. So, so this is like the first baseline quantification.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay. So, now we have the baseline empirical findings. And the question is, what are the potential explanations of these findings? What are theoretically the different alternatives that you have in mind that could potentially give rise to these effects that we identify here?
1: So we discussed three potential mechanisms in in the paper. The first one is related to the title of the paper, which is patronage. And as we said before, this is a quid pro quo relationship between the party in power and the supporters of this party, where the supporters are rewarded in terms of public sector jobs for uh, their support. So that is the first one. Then the second one is related to ideology. So, if I'm a mayor in, in a given municipality, I would like to have people that think like me, at least politically, think like me in some key positions in my, my administration. Probably this would make the work way smoother if you have people that think more or less like you. And this has another component. This is kind of a demand driven effect. There is a supply driven effect, which is I am a supporter and now I want to work for this administration because I believe in this administration. So, so I try to get a public sector job to work uh, with them. And the the last one, which is very much connected to most of the literature in, in political connections, is this about information. So, if I'm a mayor and I know the supporter who gave me money or, or the other candidate, I probably know better the quality of this supporter. And if we think that the exams in the public sector are a noisy measure of quality, probably the politicians, what they want is to bring all these people in with high quality, because this is going to benefit them. And probably it's going to benefit the public sector as well in the long run. Okay, so three explanations there. I don't know where you want to start. So let's start from the title, (laughs) from from patronage.
0: You are going to show us some direct evidence in support of the
1: patronage mechanism. Yes. So to start with, what we're going to use is that for these two types of supporters, we kind of quantify the amount of support that they give to uh, the political party. So in, in terms of the candidates, we can see how many votes they brought to the coalition. And remember that these votes helps the coalitions to have more seats in the local council. And also, you can think that the mayor, that the local council that is bringing more votes probably did better campaigning around and also had some spillovers on the votes that the mayor candidate got. And for donors, it's way more straightforward. We can just look at the amount of money that each individual donated to the party. And what we see is that the more votes you brought or the more money you brought, given this, the more support you gave to to the party, you have more chances to enter into the public sector. And also the earnings that you get from the public sector are larger the more support you gave to the party. So
0: this is definitely consistent with the quid pro quo, correct? So if you gave me a higher quo, I have to give you a higher quid, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely this evidence is consistent with that mechanism. Of course, what you want is to have evidence that is consistent with that mechanism, but not so much with the other mechanisms. And I wonder whether by itself this piece of evidence fits that description. Because if you think about, say, the amount of money donated as being a proxy for the favor, this is fine, but it could also alternatively be a proxy for the ideological alignment between the two individuals. That is, I may have like a soft left ideology and then I may, you know, mildly prefer one candidate over the other. But if my ideology is very, very strongly aligned with the candidate, then I really care who wins, in which case I will be more willing to donate to that particular candidate. And I think that a similar argument you could make for the soft information. The money donated could be a proxy for how
1: close I am to that individual and therefore the strength of that signal. I, I totally agree with you. So, of course, this is a not bulletproof that this is patronage. That's why we're going to continue doing more tests to try to rule out the other stories. Some piece of evidence that also help us to push the idea of, of patronage is that most of the jobs that these supporters are getting are discretionary jobs. So once we look at the definition of type of contracts that they have there is a huge increase, almost double the probability that you enter into the public sector through these discretionary jobs. We see some effects on competitive jobs as well, or competitive entrance into the public sector, but these effects are way smaller than the discretion ones.
0: So this is a very good sanity test. I mean, this is unrelated to the discussion between the alternative mechanisms, but I would expect that anything that takes some time to study may not be picked up immediately by the data. That Mm -hmm. is... Again, let me go back to the country that I know best, which is Spain. Like candidates for notary a study for an average of 10 years before passing the exam. Ah, okay, got it. Obviously, these jobs are probably not as demanding, but you will expect that there are wider lags. Yes,
1: and we see and we see the effect kicking in, in in the first year of the of the mayor's term. Yeah. So
0: in addition to having evidence that is consistent with the patronage mechanism, you mentioned you also have evidence that uh, seems to be somewhat inconsistent with the alternative mechanisms, let's say the degree of ideological alignment, what type of things did you look at
1: there? So the first thing we do is that we can put all these occupations into four buckets. And of course, we, we do it more disaggregated in the paper if we want, but I think this is already very illustrative of what would be going on. And we can create four buckets. First, some uh, bureaucrats that are managers. So think of this, the manager of a public school or a public hospital or another public agency. And then we have bureaucrats that are more low skills that you can think at administrative positions, supervisors, and so on. Then you can have frontline providers that are high skills. And these you can think teachers, doctors, and then you have the frontline providers with low skills that could be then guards or drivers or cook or garbage collectors. And what we do is we do the same analysis and try to see where are these supporters entering in the hierarchy of the the public sector. And what we find is that they basically enter all across the board in uh, the public sector hierarchy, which is already a kind of inconsistent with this idea of bringing the the ones that think like me in some top positions in my administration, but you, we see that they are also getting jobs in frontline providers with low skills, which it's more aligned with this idea of uh, just rewarding them for, for their support. Then the second piece of evidence that we use is we look at the previous election and see who were these supporters supporting in that previous election. And we are going to call loyal ones that were the ones that were supporting the same party before and the switchers the ones that were supporting a different party in the, in, in the past. Think now that basically we are narrowing down our data set because we are just focusing at these two types of of supporters. But what we find is that there is not much of a difference in the probability of entering into a a public sector, depending on whether you were loyal or a switcher. We do find a bit larger effects for lawyers, but for loyals, but this effect is quite similar between both. And the last piece of evidence trying to understand whether ideology is the one driving the results is that you can think that the supporters of the same party, but in different municipalities That, of course, if we think that the party in two different municipalities shared the same uh, ideology, then you would think that those living in or supporting close-by municipalities would have also a chance to get a job in uh, your administration in this this given municipality. But we do not find any effect there. So everything is coming from your own supporters and not supporters of close-by municipalities who share your ideology.
0: Okay, so three tests there. Let me emphasize, first of all, the overall argument is persuasive. But if you don't mind, I'm going to comment on where I see the relative weight of the different arguments or the different tests that you have. Perfect. In my opinion, the first test is actually the most persuasive. And the reason I say that is that, well, these frontline providers of low skills, one specific occupation that comes to mind there will be garbage collection. And it wouldn't seem to me as if ideology plays a big role on whether you pick up the garbage in one way or another. Definitely. Right? So uh-huh.
1: Definitely.
0: The, I, I would expect that these are types of jobs for which ideology plays no role. And therefore, for these jobs, we will expect zero effect. But the fact that you find an effect there, perhaps smaller, but still a relatively large effect, I think it's, a, it's very persuasive. The second element, let me remind what the element was, the fact that you have donors just in the last election uh, and donors in the two previous elections, and you will expect that donors in the two previous elections have a higher degree of ideological alignment than donors just in the last election, you find that the effects are the same regardless of whether you have been a loyal supporter or a more recent supporter. I I think that this is fine. And obviously, this seems there that, you know, you would expect that the degree of ideological alignment is stronger if you have been for longer with a party. However, I would expect as well that the quo, of the quid pro quo mechanism is also larger if you have been donating for longer to the party. That is, if you are a lawyer donor, you would expect that when your major is finally elected, you are more likely to get a job than if you are a recent donor. So these are tests that is not necessarily better news for the patroness mechanism than for the ideology mechanism. You know, like in some sense, it's inconsistent with both. I think that one way to think about this test is that Brazilian politicians
1: have <laughs> short memories. Yeah, uh-huh. which is something that has been shown in general. But yeah. Uh-huh. Right. You know, one way to think about how the political system is in Brazil.
0: The other thing that I think, so the last test that you mentioned was that you were studying also as supporters of the same party, but in neighboring municipalities. Exactly. Is mm-hmm. that correct? So, so the yeah. idea would be there if I am the supporter of the same party in enabling municipality, I may not have donated to this major, but I have the same ideology. And therefore, when the mayor is looking around for ideologically minded people, well, I am potentially a candidate there. So I, I should also be chosen. Exactly, And I think that this is, on its face, this is a persuasive test, but I wonder whether it is a little bit underpowered. And the reason that I say this is that when you look at donors... If I remember where from the paper, the, the average value uh, for donors for the control group, that is the supporters of the losing party, is around 14%. Mm-hmm. The estimated effect is 15%. So again, it doubles. Mm-hmm. But the baseline or, or the, the mean of the, of the dependent variable, the likelihood of being in public sector employment uh, for the control group, is actually only 0.1% for the donors in the neighboring municipalities. The coefficient is also 0.1%, so it also doubles, Mm -hmm. but of course, at these numbers, the standard errors are going to be massive, just because you have a, a dependent variable that is essentially zero everywhere, rather than one. So obviously, with the confidence intervals, you can rule out size, Large this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, mm-hmm. being above mm-hmm. or below certain values, but it is not a
1: super, super power test. No, I agree. I agree that all of them cannot, each of them cannot point you to directly ruling out uh, ideology. I totally agree with you. But they cast some doubts on ideology being the main effect behind our effects. That that's, that's what we can say. We cannot fully rule out ideology and we write it like that actually in the paper. So I totally agree with you. And in general, local politics in, in Brazil is very local. And that's what is showing you those averages that you just, just mentioned. So they don't spill over to many close by uh, municipalities. Yeah.
0: So ideology is over. The second or third, if you want, mechanism was... The idea that the major has better soft information about certain supporters, and therefore when choosing somebody for a job, the major is able to find the right people. There, you
1: have also another test. What is that test to rule out that explanation? So if we think this idea that when a worker enters into the public sector, they can reveal their quality after working two, three years in the public sector, if we think that is true, then all the supporters who enter with the mayor that won the elections, we would expect that if their goal was to enter into a public sector and do a a good job, but they just were not that good at signaling their quality, you would expect that after two, three years, they just decide to make a career in the public sector. They show already that they were good workers. So probably they're going to hire them, give them tenure and so on. But what we find is that basically once the mayor that you're aligned to leaves power, all the supporters leave with them. So this already casts some doubts on just the quality being not that good of a story behind the results that, that we find.
0: I don't have anything to say about this test. It was perfect. <laughs> no, I would say not cast some doubt, a very strong doubt. The fact that these newly hired individuals do not stay when in the future the mayor is kicked out of office, clear reveals that they were not able to convince the incoming administration, even over a four-year period, you know, in public sector employment, that their quality was high enough. So uh, I think that this is very clear. Okay, so the paper is called Patronage and Selection in Public Sector Organizations. And you mentioned that at the beginning that an important question, perhaps the most important question, is whether this likely patronage mechanism translates into better or worse individuals working for the public sector. What tests do you have to examine empirically, whether the individuals become better or worse as a result of this mechanism?
1: Yeah. So, of course, these are all proxies and it's super hard to measure quality. We We all know. And we're going to create three different measures of quality. The first one is going to be based on education, but we're not going to use just occupation. What we're going to do is we're going to see what is the required education in a particular position in the public sector in Brazil. And then we're going to create a measure on whether you were qualified or not for this occupation. So if the requirement was high school degree for a particular occupation, and the ones who is in this occupation has middle school degree, this is what we're going to call unqualified. Then something else that we're going to use is uh, private sector wages. And it has been used previously in in the literature with the idea that the private sector is better at pricing uh, high skills. And for this, we are just going to residualize these earnings by municipality year fixed effects. So think that we can compare them across municipalities and across time. And the third one is just augmenting this kind of a la mincer regression where we add education, other sociodemographics and and sector uh, level damage as well. So we are going to compare within sectors as well. Of course, the big caveat or the last two measures that we have is that we need to observe these workers in the private sector before the election. And for this, we have more or less 30% of them that we we observe. them. so we need to take this with a grain of salt because we don't have it for the full set of supporters. But I think it's a very good measure to to try to understand what is the quality of these workers. So once we have these these three measures, what we find is is if I'm not qualified for a particular job, I have a higher chance of getting these public sector jobs if I am connected to the mayor in power. And similarly, if I am a low quality worker, I have a higher chance of entering in the public sector if i am connected to the mayor so this already tells us that these unqualified individuals or low quality individuals have an easier way to get into the public sector if they are connected to the mayor in power so
0: clearly and surprisingly i guess but important to to study empirically, clear patronage is bad for the selection of public sector workers because it is the worst workers that end up in the public sector as a result of of this mechanism. And this is especially the case given the fact that in Brazil there is a high public sector premium in wages, that is, these unqualified individuals are also getting higher wages than they
1: would be in the private and sector. the average in the and the average in the municipality, definitely, mm-hmm. and the average in the municipality. So
0: let me go back now to one thing that we were mentioning at the very beginning. I, I think that ruling out the ideology, soft information mechanisms. I think you know I don't have many comments about this. I think you were persuasive. But I asked you at the beginning whether you were focusing on, if you want, a mechanism patronage called quid pro quo, you know, that involved a quid pro quo that was somewhat narrower than political connections. And, and then you say at some point, well, let's imagine what the ideal experiment will be. Okay? The ideal experiment is one in which I have uh, certain candidates and then I have a population of people, okay, and I randomly, let's say, allocate donations for, from certain individuals to certain candidates, okay, and then I study whether, when these candidates are elected, rather than uh, somebody else, is it the case that those randomly chosen donors and then and also political supporters, uh, connected politicians or whatever, are more likely to end up in public sector employment. I think in terms of thinking about the difference between that idea experiment and uh, regression discontinuity design that you mentioned. So one thing that this idea experiment will have is that the donation will be uncorrelated with other characteristics of the match between the individual and the politician. Uh, Whereas the regression discontinuity doesn't have that. Let me give you an analogy. It is possible that the donor to a major is a cousin of the major. And then when the major gets elected, the major is going to put their cousin as a garbage collector, not because, or, or not only because the cousin donated to the major, but mostly because the major really loves their cousin. There is a, a relation there that is a proxy by the donation. The baseline effect is still there and it's perfectly well identified, but the interpretation is slightly different. Now, by this I think that this uh, distinction is subtle and it doesn't really matter at all for what you are trying to say in the paper, which is that political connections are bad for public sector employment. But the interpretation is slightly different. It's not necessarily that the quid pro quo
1: element is so central to your story. No, I, I totally agree with you. When I was saying about the, the the ideal experiment, this was the ideal experiment to to identify the average effect, meaning the political, if you want to call it, the political connection effect and the preferential access to public sector jobs. But then if you really want to identify super well all this ladder or this positive effect, depending on how much support you gave, you need to randomize that as well. And of course, this becomes impossible. We are always going to be controlling for a bunch of characteristics of these, of these individuals once we run these heterogeneous effects, because we know that we don't have exogenous variation at that level, That and, and, and you are totally right about that. But we think that on average, it shows that this is a likely mechanism behind the results. But of course, as always, what is super well identified is whether preferential access to public sector jobs exists or not. That is what is kind of bulletproof uh, in terms of empirics. The rest, of course, you need to control for other things. All the heterogeneous effects, of course, are not super well identified because exogenous variation does not exist at that level. This
0: is to emphasize the way that you present it in the paper itself. Yeah. In that section, you say we identify the effect of political connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I have one last comment about the paper, which takes us uh, again back to the beginning of our conversation. I asked you at the beginning why we need a paper when we already have anecdotes and you would answer well a bunch of reasons like Brazil has public sector examinations and all this, but But one of the things that you mentioned that we agreed was important is that we need to understand whether this is a quantitatively important phenomenon. And one number that was very striking there was the move from 22% chance of being in public sector employment to 33% chance, so a 50% increase. But one thing that I am wondering is whether that is the number that we need to take away from this paper. That is... This is like a quantitatively important effect, but for a subset of individuals that may or may not be quantitatively important. Let me give you another analogy. Imagine that instead of having political supporters and donors, we were studying the effect of being in public sector employment for the children of the major. Okay. And we found that the livelihood for the control group is zero percent? That is the the children of the losing candidate never end up in public sector employment. The coefficient is a hundred points. So that is quantitatively, this effect is massive for the children of the major. But of course, the children of the major are not going to massively affect the quality of the average public sector employee in Brazil because typically majors have very few children, uh-huh. right? So I think that the number that we may need is, in some sense, what percentage of the Brazilian municipal public sector employees end up there as a result of the patronage mechanism, which will be the baseline effect multiplied by what percentage these individuals represent out of the universe of municipal Brazilian
1: sector employees. Something that is is important to to add to this, I think, is in the paper, we are able to just end with the quality of the public sector workers and and showing that the quality is worse. But there is a complementary paper now in in forthcoming in, in the AER as well, showing that all this turnover in the public sector once there is a party turnover there is part there is also a worse outcome in uh, in, in education and in the public sector. And this is related with turnover of uh, workers in the educational system. And what we do in the paper as well at, at the end is trying to show that all this patronage is associated with massive turnover in the public sector when, when this administration leaves. So in a sense, the, the ideal is to quantify then how this affects the public sector delivery. And we kind of complement this other paper showing that patronage exists. This creates turnover. And they show in these papers that this turnover has potential costs in terms of education. But I think this is an open re- research agenda yet to try to understand in other sectors what are the potential costs of all these individuals of low quality enter into uh, entering into a public sector. So the two papers are
0: complements because in some sense what you're saying is that your paper provides the mechanism through which the worst public sector delivery takes place that is found in this other paper.
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Very good. Mauno, thank you for coming to the program. No,
1: thank you for the nice questions and the nice conversation.
0: And my guest today has been Mauno Prem. My name is Jordi Blanesi-Vidal, and this is The Visible Hand Podcast. Please visit our website, thevisiblehand.uk, for links to the other papers that we discussed. Introductory music and logo by Etana Blanesiso. Episode produced by Anderson Tan.